Welcome, visionaries and revolutionaries, to the Aligned Empire podcast, your gateway to building a movement of change, wealth, and impact. I'm your host, Drea Brown. This podcast is for the visionary woman who is ready to master the energetic frequencies of money, business, and herself, and is ready to expand into a frequency, life, and empire that mirrors her highest purpose. Together, we are rising up and reshaping the world as we know it, defying limitations and boldly embodying our highest selves. You're not just listening to another podcast. You're embarking on an epic journey. Hello, welcome back everyone to the Aligned Empire podcast. I'm so excited today to be welcoming Michelle Von de Pas. So a little bit about amazing Michelle. She is an accomplished and unstoppable entrepreneur who captivates with her empowering message and unwavering support. And she's also, well, as a seasoned author, speaker, and coach, as well as a TEDx speaker, she has a wealth of experience and profound insights into publishing, online marketing, and living with purpose. Michelle lives in the mountains of Colorado, where she lives with her family, 40 goldfish, and the occasional mountain goat, or sorry, mountain lion or bear. Probably mountain goat too. Goats too, goats too. See, I just knew. Michelle is often walking through nature, thinking of new ways to help her clients live their most authentically successful lives and also grounding herself in the beauty of the world around her, whether at home or through her travels. So welcome, 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 Michelle. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm so excited to just flow with you today. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are always my favorite types of interviews too. Your accomplishments are honestly amazing. Like when I saw your your application to the podcast, I was like, hell yes. I like this woman absolutely I didn't I was like I don't even need to schedule a 15 minute pre-interview like I just want her on the podcast for sure (laughs) but yeah how the heck did you get from where you are today and what happened like what was the pivotal moments along your journey and just yeah just like tell me about things that happened oh my gosh okay so well here's one pivotal thing I, I can tell you like one pivotal story so I've been coaching and consulting for you know 30 years more like coaching before coaching was a thing right And I was doing marketing and helping my clients do marketing um, and graphics and all that stuff like long, long time ago. And I had side hustles even back then and I was an entrepreneur. And as part of my marketing coaching, I was always talking about write a book and then I wrote a book and then I helped other people write and publish their books and all of that just kind of evolved holistically. But then in the fall of 2019, I was at a mastermind and I'm doing all the stuff and networking and writing down goals and dreams and all talking about, you know, we're all talking about what we do in Mastermind. And then I'm like, you know, they should take this little publishing company that I got because I had a publishing company. They should take it and like go all in. I don't know. You know, I don't know why I've never done that. And it was just this intuitive hit at this mastermind. And I made the decision in November 2019 to just go all in. So we'd already published a handful of books and I'd helped thousands of authors publish their books. And then as we know, COVID hit right? Just a few months later. And in COVID, we published like 100 books, right? It's like (laughs) the business just took off. Now, 100 books for maybe Simon & Schuster is not a lot, but for a small publishing house, that's a lot. And you have to edit and do covers and like all of the all the things right and that into it was very intuitive it's like i should just go in this is the time go all in and it was amazing because people right at the beginning of covid were we were all shell-shocked right 
It's like all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, what? What just happened here? I mean, it's hard to even remember. I just remember being like two days after, like we had to cancel a trip and I suddenly wasn't traveling and doing speaking and all my networking events were canceled. And I'm like, what? 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 Oh, wait, I have a publishing business. I'm going to reach out to my authors. And they're all like, oh, perfect time to write. Michelle, put together some write online writing programs. Michelle, help us get our books done, right? So it's like in those three or four months, by the time I got the intuitive hit and COVID happened, I had already set up all these things that when COVID hit, I could just run with it. And that was a very pivotal moment that reminds me that our intuitive hits, if we follow them, are usually guiding you somewhere, right? But it also oh, yeah. changed the trajectory of the business. And that's not that many years ago. So the massive success that you found has been recent. Some of it, because I've been okay. doing what I've been doing. I've been coaching and, and being yeah. a consultant. I used to have. So the, what's different is that I am the publisher now, whereas I used to coach, you know, hundreds of people at a time to go publish their books and help them. And I would be a consultant for them to help them publish their books. Now we're a full-fledged publisher. So it's under I, our ISBNs, our distribution. We sell foreign rights. We negotiate with movie rights, all those kinds of things. Uh, writing a book opens up so many opportunities and so many PR opportunities. Right. So I was going to say, so I feel like I, um, you know, I already had a business. It's it's just it took it and doing well it just took a turn and and uh, an interesting journey right all of a sudden three years later i wake up i'm doing the same thing but in a totally different way and life is kind of like that yeah it sounded like you were already already doing really well and it's like you poured gasoline on the fire yeah absolutely and and you know i wouldn't covid was just a weird time so there's good and bad and it's just all and it's kind of like life it just magnified life in some ways totally yeah it magnified life in so many different ways yeah so why why do you think it's beneficial overall as far as the publishing goes? Why is it beneficial for business owners to write and publish books? So, you know, the thing I like to say is, yes, it's going to bring you more exposure. Yes, it will bring you clients. But what's interesting is it does a couple of things. Internally, it uplevels yourself. As a business owner, when you have to write out what it is you really want to say and how you want to say it, it forces you to get super clear about what your message really is and how you're going to stick your stake in the ground and say, this is what I believe, right? And so that process of going through that and really knowing what you stand for. So let's just take weight loss, right? If you're going to write a weight loss book, what do you stand for? There's a million weight loss books. What sets you apart? Why do you want to say what you're going to say? What kind of client testimonials or, or stories are you going to put in your book? And it forces you to think through all those things. And by doing so, you become a better representative of your business. Your message becomes super clear. You up level in internally about how your business expands, right? And then of course, it gives you credibility. It opens up doors. You can get on podcasts. You can go speak. People buy the book and then they want to hire you or people hire you and then you say, oh, I have a book, right? And so it becomes a holistic net, you know, network ripple effect out, out in the world. I love that. So if I were a business owner coming to you, I'm like, Michelle, I want to write my book because I know a lot of 
the audience on here listening today, most entrepreneurs have had in their mind that they want to write a book at some point in their journey, because it's pretty obvious the opportunities that come with it. So what would be the process that you would lead me through when I come to you with a book idea? So if you, we take authors from all the way at the beginning to all the way to the end, plus marketing, right? And so usually what happens is you sit down with me in person, come in for a VIP day uh, or in Zoom, and we really outline what is it that you want your book to stand for? What do you stand for? What do your prospective clients need from you? What are the things you say over and over again, right? It could be even about how to buy a tire. It doesn't have to be in the coaching realm. It doesn't have to be in the service realm. Like if I have to go buy someone who sells tires, there's a lot that you could write a whole book on that, how to buy tires, right? It doesn't matter the subject matter. What matters is what sets you apart. And so usually I will go through and through all of this with them all through the first time. Doesn't take as long as you think. It may just take a couple hours. And then we outline the whole book. Most people have notes if they're in business. They have sales copy. They might have a blog. They might have podcast transcripts. There's something we can work with. And we start outlining it, putting bullet points together, figuring out sort of the flow of the book. And then you take all that and put it aside. And now it's right. Are you going to go write? Are we going to write with you? Are we going to ghostwrite it for you? Lots of ways to do it, right? Lots of ways to go through this process. And that can take anywhere from a couple of months to a year, depending upon if you're going to write your book, How long is it going to take you? Do you have 15 minutes a day? Do you have an hour a week? Do you have an hour? It's right, whatever it is. And the place where I see people get stuck, because this is really part of the process, is they get so far in and then they go, this sucks. I'm not a writer. I hate this. Oh, my writing's really bad. And then they get scared to send it to me or someone on the team. And they're like, oh, it's just not good. Or that's not what I want to say. And so the creativity stops and the flow stops, and then you can't get to the good stuff because we all do bad stuff. All of us do bad stuff, right? And it doesn't mean anything. It just means you got to get it out until you get to the good stuff. If you're learning anything new, it takes a while to get there. And so I would say anyone who's thinking about it, don't let your own self-doubt stop you because that's what we're here for. We'll help you. We'll polish it. We'll edit it. We'll coach you. We'll help you make it better. We'll make it better. There's so many options. Hello, amazing visionary women. I just wanted to stop in really quick and say, if you're enjoying listening to this podcast or this episode, if you could just do a quick pause and leave a review wherever you're listening to this right now and let us know exactly what you like listening to this episode about, what type of insights were so incredible to you. My team and I work so hard delivering as much value and as much love and put as much energy as we possibly can into these episodes that it truly means the absolute world to us. Take a screenshot of this episode. Share it to your Instagram story. Share it to your Facebook. I love tagging you guys as well in my stories. 99% of the time, I will also tag you as well just to let my audience know, hey, there's other people listening to this podcast. So it really does mean the world. And I absolutely love going with depth rather than width. You know, I'd much rather you listen to 10 podcasts and go really, really in depth with the audience and the community rather than a hundred different podcasts. It really means everything when you can go more depth 
a smaller amount of things rather than going width wise. And so I would love to extend that invitation to you guys and say, hey, I would love for us to be the community that you wanted to go more in depth with. And with that, make sure you guys go check out those show notes, go download our resources. We have amazing, incredible resources. I know 100% you're going to absolutely love that most people are paying $2,000 for. I'm not even kidding. So make sure you guys check out the show's notes and download those free resources, get on that newsletter and engage, engage with this community because we're building something really special here. And I just want to say, even if you don't want to do any of that, I appreciate you so much listening to this and being entangled in this energy and in this journey with me. So thank you so much. And let's get back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And the creativity part, the blocking of the creativity happens in business in general. So many different areas. Almost every day we come up upon it, especially with social media and, you know, getting push to get on social media for obvious reasons. But when someone has that block of creativity or that self-doubt, what's the process of that that you help them through? Because I would imagine your coaching experience has tremendously helped with this aspect of your business and publishing company. Yeah, absolutely. You know, several of us on team are book coaches. And, you know, I think we're really good book coaches because if you're stuck writing, you're not going to go write. You're going to go walk. You're going to go do yoga. You're going to go out with girlfriends. You're going to go get a pedicure. You're going to sit in the bathtub. You're going to go bird watch and go out for lunch. You're going to do something else because that's the way. <laughs> so many creative ideas. <laughs> right. That's the way the creativity comes in. I will say mm. if you're really, really stuck, the only way out of it really is to move your body. doesn't mean you have to go run. You can be like there are people who we work with all kinds of people and some can't go run or can't go be physically very active. Some can, some can't, right? But you can still move your body a little bit. You can sing, you can hum, you can get the vibration inside your body moving. Meditate if that's, if you know how to meditate. Do a little bit of yoga, just a little bit of stretching or moving or dancing, right? It doesn't have to be extreme. That little bit, just when you move your body, it gets unstuck and then the creativity can start to really flow. You always hear about people say, oh, I got this idea driving. I got this idea when I was in the shower. I had this idea in the middle of yoga and I couldn't write it down. That's because we're free to dream during those times where we're not thinking about it, we're outside of our mind and we're just allowing creativity to come in. I I love that because you can really, again, you can use that not in just publishing your book or writing your book and so many, everything, making your videos or writing your copy or making programs. Yeah, moving your body, you're right. We store emotions in our body. So allowing that to shake that shit off and just like letting it go. I love it. So what would you say the biggest obstacles? Obviously, that's a huge obstacle is getting through that creativity block, getting through that self-doubt block. What other obstacles do you see with business owners or entrepreneurs when they come to you with a book idea and they're starting to write? Any other obstacles that you can that are huge. So the elephant in the room is that it's expensive, right? And that's what nobody wants to talk about. And you can write and publish a book for free. You can, you can go do it. The piece that's expensive that I I always tell people do not bypass this is you gotta have a really good editor and good editors Mm. are expensive. And so where people sometimes get stuck is they don't wanna pay for a good enough editor who understands their voice, right? And if you're a business owner, it's just part of the investment. Um, But it will also, again, help you get really clear on your message. So that's one piece. Another piece is people get stymied in the process. Like 
writing a book is a creative process and we can push and prod and cheerlead. We can help get it done with you. We might even ghostwrite it. And it's a creative process. And so sometimes everyone has to just step back for a week and say, something's not right with this book. Let's all just take a break, right? So if you write songs or do painting or any other kind of creative process, sometimes you just have to step back to allow the next level to come through. And for entrepreneurs, we tend to push and do stuff and get stuff done. And we're good at that. You know, I'm one of those people too. And sometimes to step back and just say, let me see what wants to come in next is difficult. And and that's a place people get stuck too, because we'll say, ah, this chapter's not quite right. And and they'll say, well, I don't know how to make it better. Okay, just put it aside for a few days. Let yourself, your subconscious contemplate it. And uh, when you can do that, magic happens. Definitely. Yeah, I've noticed my own creativity comes in ebbs and flows. Some some weeks I'm like so creative and other weeks it's really dry. Right. So, right. And those are the weeks to work on other things. Your marketing plan, your uh, connecting on social or connecting other places, start to call bookstores, get advanced reviews, get podcast tours set up, right? Work with your editor, get your back matter done. Like there's so many pieces that just because you don't feel like writing, there's two things. One is you have to train your muse. You have to train yourself to write every day. And the other piece is there's plenty of other things to do when you're not in a creative mood. So you got to hold both of those things at the same time. Absolutely. And and when you were talking, I was just thinking you do human design or you're involved with human design. Right. And so I would imagine, do you, do you take your clients through human design readings or only some of them? Or, or, or do you even have that part of your business inside of your publishing company? Great question. So we publish human design books. We own human design press is one of our imprints and we published a lot of human design books. So when, if someone is human design aware or they're a human design author, we take all of that into account. When you come in one of our group trainings, we talk about it, but I don't necessarily put someone through a reading or any kind of advice unless they ask for it. Um, If they know their human design, sometimes I'll, you know, my partner teaches a whole writing by design, like how can you write by your design, right? There's a whole program on that. But part of it is what's your approach to life. If you're a manifesting generator like me, I got bullet points everywhere. I got notes everywhere. I got sticky points, you know, post-it notes everywhere. And some people need to be more reflective or need to sit down and be more organized. And there's so many things that go into that, not just your type, but maybe your gates and also what's happening in your life. Like it's not just human design. So the short answer is we take it to consideration, but if the author's not there, we may or may not bring it up just kind of depending on where the author is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so for getting that creative block or creative flow. I want to just know your overall feelings about ChatGPT and how that comes into writing books. And what do you feel about it? I was just talking about this with someone else recently. So I play with ChatGPT quite a bit. I have it do some research for me. Um, I had it rewrite my bio like 16 times and I still didn't like it. And so then I (laughs) sent it to my director of communications, who's much better writer than I, and she rewrote it and we'll probably rewrite it again. I think chat GPT is a really good sounding board. Um, I think if you learn how to use it, you can train it to come back with good answers for your questions. So I've used it to interview me about what kind of likes and dislikes I have on movies and then give me a recommended movie list, right? That's a really cool exercise to use chat 
GPT-4, something like that. I have said, write my bio. I have given it blog posts and say, edit this. The writing's not there yet. It's not really there yet. And Amazon's flooded with AI books right now, and they're trying mm. to sort them all out. And when we come across one, we can tell instantly, oh, this is an AI book. It doesn't it's missing the heart and soul. It hasn't been edited properly. You can just tell, right? So I think eventually there's going to be a place where you can use it for writing prompts. You can use it for ideas. You can say, tell me what Einstein said about this or that. Or you can say, tell me what Wayne Dyer would say about law of attraction and do some research on that, right? And weave that into your book, but it can't write your book for you, at least not yet. Do you think we'll ever reach that point of where we can just say, hey, this is my life story and maybe write, give them the bio and maybe give them a few stories in there and then write it that way? Will it ever? Probably. But will it be missing the heart? I think mm-hmm. a much more interesting thing to think about with AI is like, do I want to get on the holodeck and go hang out with Wayne Dyer and have dinner, right? Maybe with Sting and Wayne Dyer and Jesus and <laughs> right and the holiday, right? And go, let's add some women to that, right? Oprah and Michelle Obama and whoever else, right? <laughs> that sounds more interesting to me if we're going to talk about AI than, and maybe, you know, some people listening to this may not know what a holodeck is, but it's from Star Trek and it's where you can go reverse <laughs> yourself in AI. But I don't know, there's heart missing right now. It's like, and it'll be interesting to see the, the progression it's almost hard to grasp all of it so we just don't know but just like you were saying before it's like writing a book is more than just about the opportunities that come along with the book I guess it would depend on your intention of writing that book whether it's to expand inside your soul to get clear with your message to really know your gift and your work and your art of what you're putting out into the world you can probably get a little bit of that if you're using AI as a tool but probably not all of it probably not as deeply intimate as you could doing it yourself right and even if you say uh tell chat GBT to like give me 10 things I need to do to build my coaching business it's gonna give you 10 ideas but that's not a book if you want to write a book on how to build an aligned empire you could say (laughs) you know give me 10 ideas but that's not a book and then you say expand it expand it expand it but it's not a book. It's not your ideas. It's not your theory. It's not going to connect with your future clients because it doesn't have the nuance. It's just, you can tell when you read something from ChatGPT right now, you can tell. Yeah, you really can, especially right now, for sure. Who knows? Who knows where it will go? Yeah, I'm excited to live in this time and era. And I definitely embrace, as our company, we definitely embrace the technologies, but we don't rely completely on them. But it definitely yeah, it makes things easy. And like you said, I love that we were saying you use it as a tool. But if you're stuck creatively, you could ask the questions to help you get unstuck. Totally. And you can use it for writing prompts. Give me 10 writing prompts on how to grow a coaching business or give me uh, 10 reasons that I should use a publisher for my book. And then I could do those as blog posts or do those, right? And so it's great for idea generating. It's not very good at editing. I've tried to throw some things in just to play with it because I played with it quite a bit. It's not really there yet. Maybe it'll be there. Who knows? Yeah, I've noticed that as well with our team too. So as far as your business goes, just a little bit of a change of direction. Last time we spoke, you had 20 people on your team or you're leading a team of 20 people. Yeah. Do you still, so with that, did you just recently get into that team of 20 people? Obviously, got you guys got really busy during COVID. Did that just happen recently or have you been leading a team for a while? I've been leading a team for many years, but smaller. 
much smaller. So, and some of those 20 are part-time. They are all in the U.S. though right now. Well, no, there's a couple who are not. But there was a time when I would I was leading a lot of people who were VAs and doing background things who were not in the U.S. too. So what has changed for me is I have evolved, both good and bad, is I have W-2 employees, like I have real payroll now, right? Um, whereas I used to have just VAs, not just VAs. That's not the word I wanted to use. And non-traditional employees, right? Contract employees or people that you got through um, one of the service sites or people in the Philippines or India or whatever. I've always also had somebody that I can see, like touch and feel in my office because I need that to bounce things off of and to talk to. So even during COVID, we couldn't be in the same office. My office building shut down. I have a, I have an office. I don't work from home. Um, I need that outside stimulation for me to be most productive. I need to go in an office, talk with somebody else in my office and brainstorm. But most of our team is virtual and it works really well. But, you know, I've been leading a team of 10 people for a while. Okay. And then, so as far as leadership goes, I mean, since you've been leading a team for a while, you obviously know what goes into being a good leader. It's something that I don't think a lot of people put a emphasis in because they're so busy building their offers. They're so busy building other parts and they kind of just see this person as someone that they can just pay and that they expect to do their work. Obviously, you know, it's so much more than that. People don't really care as much about the money. Money is important, but it is started to become even more mission driven, more purpose driven. Like we are just purpose driven people like as humans. What qualities do you believe are the most essential for having an, an amazing leadership team or just being an amazing leader, especially in a, in a rapidly growing business like yourself? Well, what I try to do and, you know, really, you should be interviewing my team on this. But what I try to do <laughs> is to listen to my clients and my team. I try to listen. I try to understand we're all human. We all get overwhelmed sometimes. We all have clients we don't like sometimes. We all have team members we don't like sometimes. Some days are just rougher. Some days are really fun. We like to also have fun in our company and not just so. My director of communications, Carly, is amazing. She puts on team trivia once a month and everybody gets on Zoom and plays trivia together and she does all kinds of team building things just on her own accord because she wants to work in a fun place, right? I like that. I know I wouldn't have thought about it. And I'm like, wow, go for it. That's great. That's awesome team building, right? So I think for me being a leader and allowing her to expand her own role and say, I want to do more fun stuff and help me connect with our remote team helps the whole, right? I have someone else, director of publishing. She said, I'm going to start doing team meetings on my own. I'm like, great. You feel the need? Yeah, I feel the need to just connect with the team once a week for a few minutes and just check in, see how everybody's doing. I'm like, hey, right? So part of it is you got to give a lot of freedom for people to do what they do best because I'm not interested in either of those two things. But luckily, I have people on my team who are and that rounds out the team and rounds out the leadership. So I am the leader. The buck stops with me, but they're also able to step into their own leadership roles, how they see fit and lead the pieces that they want to lead in the company. I would imagine, but it, would you say it starts in your interview process? I have a very strange interview process. I I hire intuitively. It's weird. Mm. I do. I hire intuitively. So yes, it starts in the interview process, but I like to have a conversation. I just like to say, okay, tell me 
about yourself. What can you bring to the company? What do you want to do? What do you like to do? And just have a conversation. And I don't know, I either feel like this person would fit in the company or wouldn't fit in the company. Now, there's all kinds of legal stuff, right? So I don't ask about all the legal stuff, right? So I understand all of that. So I'm being a little bit cliche with you, a little bit like throwing it out. But I, it, there is a vibe. You have to, you can teach the qualifications. You can't teach, will you be a leader? If I'm out sick, can you handle it when the client calls? Can you just figure it out and handle it? I need those kinds of get it done attitude. And I need some people around me who are way more detailed than I am because I'm not very detailed. And for a publishing company, that's a downfall. <laughs> but luckily I hired very detailed people, right? So there are times when I hire for that. There are times when I hire for customer service skills and just being really outgoing and friendly. Um, but I don't, you know, I've tried all those testing things and what are you, are you a disc this, or are you an Enneagram that, or a human design this or whatever. And I don't find that that really helps. I bring someone into the team and then it's pretty clear if there's a hole or they're not going to fit. And unfortunately, I am not slow enough to hire and quick enough to fire, as they say. I'm still working on that. I need to hire slower and fire quicker. And luckily, I haven't had to fire too many people and it's rough, but I have had to. Sometimes it's, you just get it wrong. Yeah. Is it just a feeling? It's just, I mean, you're a manifesting generator, so I'm guessing it's like this a little bit of frustration or something. Usually there's a lot of frustration. By the time I go to fire somebody, there's a lot of frustration. Or, you know, sometimes it's like it just wasn't a fit and they were hoping it would be a fit. And so they said things that they couldn't really do or they couldn't rise up to the occasion. You know, I had one person that came on and then her mother got really, really sick and had to, she had to go care give and all this kind of stuff and she wouldn't leave. And I kept saying, I think you need to just leave and go take your, and finally I had to just fire her because she couldn't get the work done right and and it's heartbreaking for me because i'm like can't you see you need to just move on take care of your family right and that's part of being a leader though you have to do the hard stuff yeah absolutely and as far as motivators go i would imagine every person has different motivators but is there something that links all people together to really help motivate people to do amazing work or be sold on your mission? So we love putting out really good books um, as a team. So we love good covers. We love good quality paper. We love words. Um, Some of our team members like certain things better than other team members, right? Some are like really nerdy about typography. Others are really good editors. Some are great at graphics. But not everybody on the team, nobody, I think, on our team of about 20, I think only like two had previous book experience before they came to work with me. Because you can train for skill. You can train for process, <laughs> right? I think what holds it all together for me as a leader is I tend not to micromanage, but I do tend to ask a lot. How is, how's this project going today? What's going on with this project today? And I just ask, I say, okay, sounds great. Or it sounds like, wow, did you remember this step? And then I step back and I don't call that micromanaging. I just ask. And I'm not asking like every minute of every day, right? I just ask, how's this going? It's okay for my team to come to me or go with each other with big time problems or, oh my gosh, this client's really upset or this was, went south or this one time, a horror story one time we published a book with the wrong manuscript, right? 
it happens. It was bad. It was really, it was a long time, long, long, long time ago, but it was bad. And I've since heard like Random House has done that and every publisher has done it. It's just something that, you know, happens. But it's like as a team, we had to like all rally and not point fingers because that doesn't solve it. You can't point fingers. Nobody got fired. It's just, let's go fix it. So I think those are motivators. Yeah. You're all in it together. You do have kind of a mission that we're in it to help put out a beautiful product, help our clients. I'm pretty lax with team hours. Yeah. People need to go to the it, dentist. They go. They don't need to check in with me first. It's like I can totally resonate with that with my team. Yeah. Like the autonomy and the freedom. I mean, that's such an important priority for my life. And I know just in general, what human doesn't want more freedom? So right. allowing people to have that and trust. It comes back to trust, right? Everybody seems to get their work done. Yeah. Right. So that's that's what I need is I need the books to get published and it all seems to work without me having to say clock in at eight or whatever. I don't need to say that. Yeah. It sounds like you really allow people to find their own strengths as well within your organization. It doesn't sound like it's super structured on, hey, this is your exact role and you can only do this. It sounds like you definitely, that autonomy and freedom flows throughout your entire business. So I think that's important because everybody does have a role. And I've been told this is a boomer thing though, right? Because I'm, I'm, I am a boomer. Okay, I'm a boomer. Um, <laughs> And so I've been told it's that, but it's like everybody has a role. Like we have communications, we have editors, we have book designer, we have internal book designer, we have proofers, like everybody has a role. But if somebody needs help, someone else on the team, you could go ask anybody on the team and they'll jump in and help. I have heard that that's kind of an expectation that's not out there with younger managers and that younger workers don't always, haven't been around that. I don't know if that's true, uh, but I have heard that. And younger workers aren't expected to jump in or would never ask a team member to come do something that wasn't in their job description. Our proofer, if if I have a proofer and I say, hey, I really need help editing this bio and all they ever do for is proof, I expect them to go edit the bio if they have time to do it this week. And so I hire for strength. I do hire for strength. And that is their main job, but we are a team and, and our expectation is we're going to put out beautiful, well, well-written, well-edited books. I love that art. I yeah. think it's interesting because there are different expectations with different generations and we're multi, we have every Absolutely. generation working for us, every generation. I actually love that. I love having diversity everywhere in the work environment. I think it, it makes us not so boxed in in our own beliefs and our own perspectives and helps us just open our mind, honestly, in the workplace. I've learned a lot, right? Having 20 year olds working on our team because it's different than what it, what it was when I was 20. And hopefully they're gaining some wisdom and a different way of working because there's older people on the team. So yeah. don't speak for me on that, but I like it. I like having a diverse team. Yeah, same. Absolutely. And then, so as far as your role as a CEO, how did your role evolve when you went from six to seven figures? in your business or when you went from, you know, that where you were doing really well in your business, but then you just like your business just skyrocketed. How did your role change with that? So for a long time, I stepped back from having work with clients and looked at procedures, systems, big overview. Where are we going? Where's lead gen coming from? How are we going to keep this machine going? What's right? All of those things. And I'm not the best at all of those things. And so I've also had to pull in different people to help me with some of that too. 
right? But that's where I went for a good long time. And now a lot of that's kind of working. Now I'm back talking with clients a lot, which is interesting and fun and doing podcasts and out of the operations as much because I have people that now kind of have that down. And so it's allowed me to go through that a little bit. I still do a lot of lead gen and I don't like calling it that really. That's that's the lingo for connecting with possible clients and future customers, right? That's how I prefer to talk about it. Doing things like talking with you and being on podcasts and talking with existing clients that we have and talking with people who want to publish. So I, I'm back doing a lot of that kind of stuff, which is way more fun for me. But I did go through that whole thing of, oh my gosh, we need some systems here pretty fast. And I love that. I talk about that a lot is your masculine energy, which is the systems. You have your masculine structures in place and it's like that ebb and flow where sometimes we're in our feminine, sometimes we're in our masculine. And for a little while, it sounds like you were in your masculine, setting up systems, delegating things, processes, all that good stuff. And now you, I love being in my feminine. That's my favorite energy to, I mean, we're always in both, right? Like having that balance, but now you're in that creativity, like flow of feminine and just being able to connect as women connectors, big time connectors and relationship builders. I like it better for me than the systems. And we're still evolving systems. We're still like, <laughs> some of my team will listen to this and they'll just roll their eyes and laugh. Our systems are still evolving and they will get better, right? Because they have to. It's always evolving as you grow and learn. But it wasn't my favorite thing, but I had to do it. And that's part of being an entrepreneur or a business owner or a manager mm -hmm. or even just in life. There's stuff we don't want to do that we have to do in life to get us to the next step. Yeah, definitely. And as far as your systems go, have there been any that have just been totally pivotal in your business or life changing? Any software that you just, you guys cannot live without? Yeah, probably okay. Slack. So I mean, we've been using Zoom before Zoom was a thing, you know, and I was using Skype like way back, right? So the video conferencing, all that we've always used. We've tried everything in for, for management, for project management. We've tried every tool out there. And when it just come, it just keeps coming back to the easiest thing is for us. We have like 300 channels on Slack. It is crazy. How do you keep track of that? We don't. <laughs> it, is, it is nuts. It is nuts. But we have one for every book. Okay. So everything's categorized inside of Slack. Yeah. And then we use Dropbox and we use Google. Google Drive and Amazon S3 and, you know, all the stuff. And I mean, we've got all the stuff, but Slack seems to be the place that's the easiest for team members to just say, oh, I'm Slack anyway, I'll just throw it in the channel. Yeah. And I love that what you said also, you guys are always evolving from processes and systems mm -hmm. and delegations, like everything's always constantly changing. And so when you went from six to seven <laughs> figures, what were the primary challenges that you faced as an operation or just as a CEO or like the main challenges when you were transitioning? Well, and they're probably still the main ones, right? Because as we're growing to the next level, it is moving things through fast enough in a process right. that where things don't get lost or forgotten. So publishing a book specifically has a lot of pieces, a lot of steps to it, lots of steps, right? So it's not just edit your book and throw it up on Amazon, at least not for us. We have Back Matter, Front Matter, ISBN, Library of Congress, are we doing a audiobook, doing an ebook, who's going to distribute it, what's the back matter, what about the barcode on the back cover, like there's so many things and the author says, oh, I want this endorsement on the front, you know, in the front and 
right? So many things, so many pieces that I think the biggest challenge for us is making sure that that's all organized and moved through our system as we continue to grow and evolve. And I think that's probably what every growing company deals with is making sure your systems can keep up with what everybody's doing. You help other businesses scale from six to seven figures. I do. So because I had a coaching business before I had a publishing business, I still have my coaching business, right? Uh, and to me, it's all under one umbrella. It doesn't feel fragmented because for me, it's all about helping clients get their message out and grow. And a book is just part of that. So in my, in the Michelle umbrella, I have this coaching consulting business. And by the way, if a book is part of who you are, I have a publishing company that can help you, right? But it's part of this umbrella of let's help you get your message out. I love that. And it just goes back to that idea that you are your niche, whether or not we believe it or not. But, you know, it, it's true. Everything connects. Everything connects. And and I think, you and I talked about this before. You teach what you need to learn and you learn what you need to teach. And whatever's next for you suddenly shows up in all your clients. And if all your clients start showing up with the same challenge, then you go look at it for you. Life really is a mirror. Yeah, absolutely. And in your coaching business, when people come to you and they're like, Michelle, I want to scale from six to seven figures, what are the biggest misconceptions that people have about scaling? Oh, that they suddenly have to be on social media everywhere, or they have to create a funnel that is going to take them from zero to six figures in 90 days or seven, right? Or that they have to follow this particular process, that there's a blueprint. That's the biggest misconception. You know, I ask, what have you tried? What's working so far? What would you like to try that you haven't tried? We start there. If you have something that's working, build on that and create a process around that and create the next level around that, right? Some people are natural networkers like you. And so that's a way for you to grow your business. Someone else might be, and not saying you're not, but someone else might be a TikTok star. Maybe you are, I don't know. And if they love doing that, then they should continue to do it. I think so many people feel like they have to like suddenly shift or do something different to get to the next level. And it's not, you just have to maybe pour gasoline on it, or maybe just make a few strategic shifts, or maybe um, change your pricing or your offering or your profit margin somewhere. I mean, it may just be something smaller. It may be that you just have to get out of your own way and freaking go do it. It sounds like doubling down on the things that work and then simplifying the things that are not working, getting rid of all the fluff. Because a lot of the times we still have a lot of fluff in our business when we go to six figures. Yeah. And a lot of people who make it to six figures typically don't have a ton of time on their hands because most people don't build it. Not everyone, but a lot of people don't build it the right way. When you're first an entrepreneur, you get in that hustle mentality. You follow everyone's blueprint and you do it their way. I would imagine a lot of people are coming to you with a lot of self-limiting beliefs as well. So you probably have to dig through those as well. We all have it. And every time we hit, like every time we hit any kind of challenge or opportunity, we're we all face it right and it's i mean everybody and and that's entrepreneurs not entrepreneurs and family life whatever it is right um and so that's just part of the life journey i think the biggest challenge really i think is that most entrepreneurs really need a really good sounding board and someone to brainstorm ideas someone and someone to say yeah no that won't work do you really think that's going to work and they're like no i never thought it would work someone told me i could do it like we 
reflect back to them because most of us know what we need to do inside. I think mm-hmm. once once we can like filter out what's right for us. And so some of it is just talking it through, right? I, I, I mean, that's my approach. It might not be everybody's approach. I think for my clients, talking it through, what's working? Why do you not think you can do this? Is it real or not? Like once you have a little kid at home, you know, things are going to shift and you may not be able to do everything that you could do before when all of a sudden you don't have, you haven't slept for a week, right? And so sometimes things change and it's nothing to do with what you want or you think you should be doing. It's the reality of where you are right now today. And so it's just talking through some of those things and then putting together clear, easy steps. Most people, if they have two or three things to do, they'll go do them. When you have a hundred things you have to do, it's like, okay, let's put them in order and just start working through them step by step. Otherwise, it's just overwhelming. You know, if I say, go build a funnel and get 5,000 people on your email list through your opt-in or through your offer put together three offers and build your business most people are like ah. right so you just have to chunk it yeah. down and figure out what's the best way for them and what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who is doing six figures in their business and they are looking to scale to seven figures don't be afraid to delegate and find the right person to delegate to so don't be afraid to really i went through a lot of people before i really felt like we have a team that really is solid now and now when somebody leaves the team the whole company does not fall apart right we have a we have Mm -hmm. a team right and so don't be afraid to delegate to the right people but if they're not the right people don't be afraid to let them go because that's something I'm still learning and then I would say for everybody for everybody don't be afraid to sell like learn to love selling because it's just sharing who you are and what you're offering and that's at every level absolutely I especially as women empaths like big-hearted people I think a lot of us get in our heads about selling but if you have an amazing offer that's going to change so many people's lives you are doing a complete disservice not selling every single day honestly so for our listeners who are on the cusp of scaling their businesses what's one piece of advice that you'd like to emphasize like really really emphasize for people well keep track of your task management get the important things to the top Um, Try to delegate as much urgent as you can or try not to have things get to fires, right? When everything's a fire every day, that's like demoralizing for you and your team. And the busier you get until you've figured out how to just be in that space, it's going to feel crazy. So I use a whiteboard. I, I used to have all these apps. Now I have a whiteboard. I put my priorities on the whiteboard, what I'm focusing on, um, what my goals are for the week and the month and the year. And I just kind of, and I change it every day. I change it all the time and I add to it. And make sure you delegate and have systems. Get some systems in place earlier rather than later. Yeah, like yeah. make foundation. Because it'll help everything. You can't grow if you don't have good systems. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do grow, you're kind of screwed. Right. And that's kind of a little bit what happened to us. I mean, we had some systems, but then we grew quickly in, in like 18 months. And we were scrambling to get the systems to, you know, up level with us because our systems weren't quite robust enough. Now it's all on Slack. I mean, not only we have other systems, but like it really is an organ. We use it as an organizational tool as well. Yeah. Slack's incredible. It's like one of the best 
best business tools, honestly. And so what are three books that you'd recommend to our listeners? Oh my goodness. I really want to talk about books I've published, but I think I'm going to go old school instead. And for me, I guess I would, I would say go to some old school. Anything by Wayne Dyer is really good. Zig Ziglar, if you want to learn how to sell, which everybody should learn how to sell. And it's so old school and so like old white man stuff, but get the gold out of it. There's so gold in there to be had. And just let go, it doesn't resonate anymore. But there's really good stuff in there about connecting with people and making sure you know who you are and all of that. And then Jonathan Livingston Seagull is one of my favorite all-time books. I've been meaning to read that book. It's in my Kindle. I already have it, but I've been meaning to. Yeah. So maybe that's, a, maybe that's a sign. Amazing. And then last question, what is your morning routine look like? Oh my gosh, I wish it were different. Like, I wish I could say to you, you know, I get up and I work out and I eat a healthy breakfast. So this morning I rushed out, left my breakfast on the counter, didn't eat anything <laughs> till lunch at almost noon. <laughs> I'm like, I'm starving. <laughs> I usually get up. It's just like, I want, I want it to be different. It's just not right. So I, I used to write yeah. every morning. And I haven't done that in a long time. I get up, I drink coffee, I do Wordle, and then I panic and get myself ready and get out of the house. And I usually try to bring a healthy breakfast with me. Part of that is changed like when I had kids. I think I had a different routine before kids and a different routine after kids. And now that you know, kids are grown and I can just come to the office every day. That's what I do. And then I start a routine at the office, which is, okay, what's on my priority list today? How's team doing? What's going on with everybody else? Look at my calendar and kind of settle in. But I wish I could say things like, oh yeah, I get on the mat for 20 minutes and I meditate and I write in my journal and all those things are in my head that someday maybe I will do. But right now I'm not, but I know that I could. Honestly, I cannot imagine a better answer for so many people out there. That's one of the main reasons I asked this question is because success looks different. You don't have to get up at five or you don't have to get up at four to, to be successful. You don't, you can be distracted in the morning and still be successful. You can play Wordle right. and, you know, you can be stressed and be like, shit, like I just messed up. I need to go to work really quick. Oh. Right. My breakfast is probably still sitting on the counter. <laughs> and, right. Uh, right. And it's like, I do like to sit and do Wordle with a cup of coffee and that kind of just, but I used to wor work out in the morning and write and walk and all that. And I will probably get back to some of those things at some point. You guys, this is like a woman with million dollar business ventures. And she's saying that she doesn't have a morning routine. Like if that's not confirmation <laughs> enough that you really don't need I a do. structure. I drink my coffee and do Wordle. Yeah. That's my morning routine. <laughs> I love it. It just, it doesn't look like, you know, what we see. And I just, I love right. that. I love that so much. So, so <laughs> wonderful. So refreshing, very refreshing. Cause my, my morning looks different every single day. I don't even have, I don't really have much of a routine. It just, it looks different every day. It just depends on what Sweet. I need that day. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Michelle, this has been so amazing. I so appreciate your energy and your amazing wisdom and just everything you shared today. But how can people find you? 
Uh, the easiest, quickest way is go to michellecoaches.com. It's Michelle with two L's. You, then you can find my social. There's a free gift. If you opt in, there's actually all kinds of free gifts. There's like how to write and how to connect purpose and profit and all that on my site. Ways to connect with me and what I do and just go to michellecoaches.com. Amazing. And we'll leave all the links down there for everyone. And, Thank it, you. and she also has a lot of workshops running all the time. So just yeah. go check her out. Michelle is amazing. She's definitely the real deal. So go check her out. Go connect with her because you will absolutely get some massive, massive amounts of value, not just from this podcast interview, but from all the other ways of just being connected with her. So thank I you again. I love being on here. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah, I've been so, I've been totally looking forward to this interview because I just, our first time I was just like, this woman is so incredible. So powerhouse woman. And just, I love seeing it. So thank you so much for being entangled in my world, Michelle. And I look forward to chatting with you soon again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, we come to the close of yet another epic journey of the Aligned Empire podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the frequency of your limitless potential. Each episode is a code to unlock your unique energetic frequencies of money, business, and your aligned empire. If you feel this episode would resonate with others, please share it forward, creating a ripple effect throughout the universe. Make sure to subscribe to continue this journey of transformation with us. Join us again next week as we continue to rise together, joining a movement that is changing the world. This is Drea Brown, your guide on this journey, signing off.